And I want to let you in on a moment that I had this week. I wasn't going to share this, but the um, stream that was flowing before reminded me of it um, this week at the water retreat uh, with Mars and a couple of guys, uh, other pastors and guys in ministry from uh, the Fresh Hope Movement. And uh, we're down the Kangaroo Valley and had some really rich times with the guys. We had quite a bit of time. We were off on our own and, uh, and whatnot. There's one moment when I went up all the way to the end of uh, the road in the Kangaroo, up Kangaroo Valley River. Uh, ends up all the way up at Carrington Falls, um, but couldn't quite get that far. But after all of the rain, there was the river was a flowing torrent, um, and there were tributaries that were flowing down from uh, different valleys and gullies from the, the mountain system. And uh, there was a causeway that we got to and parked the car, and um, we'll go for a bit of an explore up there. It's pretty untouched and, and pretty spectacular um, up into this ravine that had an enormous amount of water flowing. Um, over the rocks, and I just uh, started walking up and sat on a rock and just asked the Lord, where are you in this picture? Um, a great question to ask, mind you, uh, wherever you might find yourself. Um, maybe it's a, a, a really useful resource for you. I just asked the Lord, where are you in this picture? I sat in silence and I felt the energy of the water as it roared down um, the ravine, and I was just I was reminded again of the streams of living water, the deep water that we are called um, to enter into and to enjoy and know God in. And as I continued to watch and to sit there and absorb everything, I was just hearing from God. I noticed that there was a big clump of um, sticks and debris that had um, been pushed aside and became irrelevant in the scheme of this picture. Um, it was all just kind of pushed over to the side and it was all clumped up together and out of the way so the river um, could continue to flow. And just this morning, in God's presence, as we're worshipping this morning, I feel that there's a word for, for us um, this morning, that the raging torrent of God's presence, as he washes down the ravines of history and down the ravines of church and the ravines of life, um, the power of work um, that he is doing is he is pushing aside all of the debris, all of the clutter, all of the unnecessary things, all of the distractions, all of the things that get in the way to be irrelevant in the picture. Um, that there is a flow that God is, is doing through his church and whether it's because of COVID or because it's what God has been achieving through COVID, a simplicity of faith and experience in the depth of knowing God and I believe that he's doing um, an incredible work and a release of his spirit into those places um, that need to be uncluttered. Um, so if that's um, encouraging for you this morning, then be encouraged. Um, I want to read from Malachi 4, uh, 2, and it says this, But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet. On the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts, remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all of Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. And I want to begin this morning by declaring over your life and of the church that this is a season of healing. 
It's a season of joy. It's a season of closeness to God. It is a season of restoration and renewal. Uh, Christmas can easily become a narrative of busyness and hurriedness and getting all of the things done. But these very words in Malachi being the hinge on which the New Testament hangs to the old, words prophesied that spoke into a time of transition, of pointing toward the genesis of a new day, words positioned such as they are at the very conclusion of the Old Testament. These are like the setting of the sun on one day that looks forward to the imminent dawn of a new day, a new and glorious morn. That is the theme that we're going to be looking at over the next uh, few weeks as we lead into Christmas. And my prayer is that we delve into this Christmas season and look forward to the hope and joy of Christmas. And as we move forward from what has been a pretty chaotic and uncertain um, probably last two years, uh, that we'll be reminded that there is a new and glorious morn before us, that there is an invitation for us um, like in the morning, you would sit in the sun and warm your back um, in, the, in the morning warmth, that there is an invitation for you and I um, to have our backs warmed as the sun of righteousness uh, rises over us with healing in his wings. Let me pray. Father, we thank you that there is peace in your presence. Father, right now that um, there's no need to strive or worry or um, to be busy or to be consumed with all of the other things. Father, we thank you that right now we can, the peace of God rests on us. And God, we pray that we would enjoy that feeling and that truth and that knowledge. Lord, that you are here and that you're speaking in Jesus' name. But if I'm completely honest with you, coming into Christmas this year, um, it's felt quite cumbersome to discern uh, what God is um, wanting to say and do over the next few weeks as we draw um, to the end of the year. I found myself quite discombobulated as I reflect on the loss and the disconnection, um, on the letting go and the disorientation and the tiredness and the weariness that has been a large part of the last um, year, and while at the same time also being strengthened in hope and being encouraged in God and by other people, um, as we look to the future, as we believe for more of God's unending grace to be upon us, to go before us and with us, um, this tension, holding the tension of letting go, but also looking forward to the future, um, has been a little bit of a confusing task. Um, perhaps you know the feeling when there's a season gone by and uh, you are full of anticipation for what is to come. Uh, holding that tension in our lives can be a little bit difficult and confusing. Um, but though by God's grace, he makes a way and um, he enables us, he empowers us um, to hold that tension well. I don't think we ever get to the point where we're done with the past and we're fully accepting of the future. I think there's a constant juggle of um, holding what has gone before us and gone behind and behind us with what God is leading us into next, and there's grace uh, for that. But I found myself asking the question, what is the invitation of now? What is the invitation now? As I sat again on the river this week, uh, flipping a couple of lures just down the stream from Mars, near the rest of the by the way, 
Um, I think we caught, caught some worse uh, from God, which is um, better than any fish we'll catch. Um, but I found myself asking, what's the invitation of now? Uh, maybe another great question for you to throw into your um, daily rhythm. What's the invitation of now? If I was to ask you, in fact, I am asking you, what is God inviting you into now? I was sit, just sit for a moment. Uh, Mikey beautifully led a few moments ago just to ask God, what's he, what's he saying? Uh, what's, it might be just one word, it might be a memory, it might be a scripture, it might be a feeling, it might be something. What's, what's God inviting you into now? Anyone brave enough to share that they've got one or two words that you feel like God is inviting you into something? What is that something, perhaps? If you're brave enough, yell it out. Stillness. Yeah, God inviting you into stillness. I pray that you be blessed in the stillness. Anyone else? What's God inviting you into now? Peace in the midst of confusion. Yeah, rich, so good now. Yeah. Space, inviting you to space. Like, <laughs> that awesome vision of Robin flying into space. <laughs> Spaciousness. Spaciousness. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. What else? What else is going inviting Courage, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Right. Isn't it great how God speaks to us in these moments? It's <laughs> like how unforced the voice of God can be. I want to sit and just ask, what are you inviting me into now? Um, keep asking that question. I'm going to read John 15, 1 to 17. And um, I've become accustomed to preaching short over the last five months, and I endeavour to do that this morning as well. John 15, 1 to 17, and I'm going to give you a moment to open your device or your Bible. If you don't have it either, you should bring your Bible to church in whatever format you like. And it's, I am the true vine. And it says this, I'm reading the whole chapter. If you were part of our Bible encounters, you would know that we've become accustomed to reading the entire chapter together, and uh, often God just does the heavy lifting when we read his word. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I am you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in my word, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. 
By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. And this passage is quite infamous. Um, what the Bible I've read from has red letters. It's written in the red letters. And if your Bible has the red letters, you would know that this is found in a very red lettering kind of section of the Bible. This is Jesus speaking with his disciples right before his arrest. And um, it's as though this is Jesus's, this is what matters most uh, kind of message to those um, who were closest to him. And it would seem to me, and I'm not particularly that clever, that Jesus has a very clear instruction. The back half of verse 9, four words. Abide in my love. The object rest lesson that Jesus uses is quite right, uh, pun completely intended. It says, I am the true vine and my father is the garden. The branches in me that don't bear fruit he takes away, and every branch that he does he prunes, that he may bear more fruit. And as I read this this week, I, I thought, what an incredibly disarming revelation that Jesus speaking about himself, that he is cognizant to the fact that there were branches in his life that required removal or pruning. Now, I love that Jesus isn't a theorist when it comes to the journey of transformation. Rather, what we see in him in this moment is an active participant in it. Though fully God in his humanity, he recognised his complete dependency on the Father's presence in his life to work in him, fruitfulness. Now this moment is another iteration of the Christmas story, of a story of a God like no other. He is a God who enters humanity, a God who places himself on our level, a God who identifies with our humanity to redeem it. And the Gospels are clear in showing that Jesus lived his life abiding in the Father. He showed us how living in the unforced rhythms of grace resulted in a fruitful life punctuated by God's power at work through him in miraculous ways. And when I ask the question, God, what are you inviting us into? I believe that he is inviting the invitation for us as we wait to the new and glorious morning that God has for us, that we would abide in him. 
that we would live in the unforced rhythms of grace, experiencing um, a life punctuated by his power as he is at work in us. And sometimes I find this hard, though. I don't know about you. Sometimes I get it wrong. Sometimes I find it difficult. Sometimes disconnection dominates the story. I mean, sometimes we can become a little bit like this branch that I is one I prepared earlier. Disconnected, cut off, not where it's meant to be. I mean, it's not off the vine, it's off the lemon tree at home, but you get the picture. I mean, disconnected from the tree, this, this branch is completely and utterly rendered useless. Cut off from its source of water, of nutrient in the soil, and cut off from the other lemons that I'm sure look at each other day and night and go, you're awesome. You know, cut off from the tree, uh, it doesn't matter how hard this branch would try, it's never going to ripen that underripened lemon. Hard as it may try, it, it cannot squeeze any ounce of life back into itself to generate a new bud. This branch cannot push. Out comes another lemon. It can't strategize. It can't set goals. It can't hustle. It, it doesn't matter how ultra-positive this branch wants to be about its situation. It is useless, not attached to the tree. I feel like we need a moment of silence to give thanks for the life that was given for us this morning, that we would know the truth. I mean, I wonder how often we travel through life trying to will ourselves to be fruitful, to strive our way into fruitfulness, to to hold on and grit our teeth with as much mongrel within us that we can muster up to go, be fruitful. I wonder how hard we try and strategize and plan and what all Jesus wants us to do is abide, to remain connected to the source of true life. Our connectedness is paramount to our flourishing. God never intended us to be a branch disconnected, but a branch that remains. And I'm not sure about you, but in many ways this year I felt disconnected. I felt disconnected from community, from friends, from purpose. I felt disconnected from my own goals, from hopes, from dreams for the year. At times I felt disconnected from fun and adventure and the things that I love to do. Even at times I felt disconnected from God. And perhaps you can relate, and I believe that it's into these places of disconnection. I feel that God is calling us again to abide. To abide in Him. To remain connected. 
feel like God is calling us to put aside the distractions and the weighty things and the sin and the fear and the doubt and the shame and to find ourselves reconnected, grafted with every fiber of our being to the life-giving truth that is Christ. But the good news is that you can be grafted back in, right? And that's not the power of the branch to graft itself in, but it is the ability and the health of its source to reach out. And so perhaps if you're feeling like a disconnected tree, know this morning that God is inviting you and welcoming you back to join Him in abiding, deeply connected to the source of life, where you will know peace, you will know hope, you will know fruitfulness. Not because the branch knows how to be reconnected, but because the tree knows how to do it naturally. Recently I got a, a new car, or well, new to me anyway. I feel like I need to qualify this as a class of a new car. Uh, I need to qualify it. Um, I'll qualify with this story that Lisa told me last night. She was driving my new car this week and she had a banjo on one of his mates that just been to soccer training and um, it was one of the days that was hot, not we've had many of those recently. Lord, what are you doing? Give us a good word. I want to go somewhere, please. Um, <coughs> they got in the car on a hot, sticky day. The air kind of kind of clapped out a little bit. And um, Banjo's little mate fires up. Sarah, I'll put the windows down. <laughs> At least I like, have to wind them down, bud. <laughs> You're like, what do you mean? I can wind It's a kid these days, eh? Got a button for everything. Nah. Um, anyway, that's how new my car is. Just give it a wipe the fluid windows. Very good. But in my, in, my, in my car, what I do have is a CV radio. Who's ever used a CV radio? It's like the breaker baker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, copy that. Yeah, 10 4, all the rest of it. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like the winding window, it's kind of cool and old school technology, but it's really effective. Um, it's a communication tool between cars when you're on the road, and the other day I got to test it out. I hadn't tested it out because I didn't have any other friends with a CB radio that I could actually see if this thing worked and how far I could talk to people and all of the rest of it. And uh, the guy I work with at my other job, he has one in his car too, and so we, we finished up work, it was 2.30 in the morning, and we were going our separate ways. Uh, he, I said, Your Honor, you jump on, and we agreed channel 25. I don't know why we picked 25, we said, jump on channel 25, and you go that way, and I'll go this way, and we'll see how far uh, we can go um, before we lose each other. And he went right, and I went left, and for the first few hundred meters, uh, it was clear as a bell, clear as a whistle. We could hear each other, um, the chatter was all good, no problem, no interruption, no anything. But as I went down the valley, um, and it kind of got a little bit crackly and then up the hill and around the bend and as distance kind of separated us and he was going the other direction. It got to this point where sentences became really broken. And it got to a point where all connection um, was lost. And the point that I make is that it's hard to hear when our connectedness is compromised. Abiding in Christ is a daily decision to stay close. The transformative work that God wants to do in us is not allowing busyness 
striving and achievement to get in the way of experiencing his living, nourishing, life-giving presence every single day. And what I love in the scripture that we read this morning is the net result of such deep connection. The net result of a life that abides, that remains connected, that knows its source, receives its nourishment from the tree. The net result of this is that Jesus says that you would have my joy, that your joy may be full. I love how Jesus also then goes on to speak about the nature of the relationship with those who abide in him. He says, no longer do I call you um, slaves or servants, but I call you friends. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And there's something beautiful that God offers us in joy and friendship. And born out of a place of abiding. And so when I consider the new and glorious morn that we're invited into this Christmas, but know full well that we have the gift of joy and the gift of friendship that is offered to us in Christ. That we can be as busy as all get out, and we can be rushing around like our heads cut off, like mad chills at Christmas time, bouncing from one event to the other, shopping for this and shopping for that, and attending this and attending that, and being here and being there, and all of the rest of the Christmas things. But we are invited to abide. Stay connected, to stay close. And the promise of joy and friendship with God is incredible. Let me pray. I'll write it down and come back up and I'll finish up. Father, I thank you for the, the richness of the invitation that is before us to remain connected, to abide. Father, I pray that all of the things that would seek to disconnect us. Father, the ways of thinking, the ways of living, the habits, the whatever it might be that causes distance between us, separation between us. Father, I pray that we would recognize in this moment that you are reaching out to reconnect. Father, I ask for forgiveness for the, the moments and the times, uh, Lord, where we know that we've made the wrong decisions or for whatever reason, that the gap between us feels real. Father, I want to recognize that that is um, true for everyone, me included. Father, we don't get it right, we do fall short. For whatever reason, in our, in our carnality, in our broken humanity, Father, we find ourselves separated once again, but we know that the truth of your that you are always with us, that your hand is never too short to say, Father, that you are the true vine, that you are inviting us back to be connected, to be loved, to be known, to recognize our chosenness as sons and daughters in your kingdom, and that, Father, you have an inheritance of peace and hope and true life because of who you are. And Father, I ask in this season that we would be a people who abide. That would be true in our lives as we go individually, but Father, as a as a community, as your family, as your bride, that we would be known this Christmas for abiding in your love. Father, draw us near, draw us close. Father, we pray that our experience of you would be like a friend walking alongside us, 
knowing every in and out and every inch of our lives. Father, thank you, Christ, and that it's possible that we would abide in that. Now, for eternity.